You're listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Isn't it ironic that the holiday season always brings interruptions? Well, today, Pastor Mike Wiggins is going to bring the message entitled Christmas Interruptions. Now, Pastor Mike Wiggins. Amen. You know, one of the things that Cindy and I have really commented about this church is the the really talented folks that you have here. So many singers and so many folks. And uh, so I know David wants you to get up here and get busy, right? Um, And uh, I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to Matthew, to the first chapter. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25. Before I get into that, though, while you're turning to that passage, I want to give you just a little bit of what you know, if you know anything about Louisiana, you know there's a, a word that they use. It's called lanyap. And uh, that just simply means a little extra, right? You get this a little extra. And I want to give you a little bit of that this morning before I get into this. And I want to just challenge you as a church. You know, you got a new pastor coming in, a new family. Uh, you know, that's going to mean also that you're going to see there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to, you know, as they lead, uh, as somebody comes in like that, there's always going to be a change that will take place. And, you know, the only thing that I know that doesn't change is something that's dead. Always, when something is alive, there's always going to be change. And we have to embrace that. We have to embrace it, not to changing from the Word of God. You'll find there's different methodologies. There are different uh, ways and philosophies and way things are done. I, I've not really talked a whole lot with uh, Joshua about that and what, he, and what he does there and what he envisions and all of that. We talked a little bit. I know he's talked with you and he's shared those things. But when he gets on the field here, that's when the vision is going to come. He's going to see more and more. As he, I know this from leading myself. When you get there and you begin to get the culture and you begin to feel what, what's happening, you begin to see what God is doing, and you do as Henry Blackaby said, you find out where God is working and you get over there and you start doing it. In order to do that, you've got to be able to shift and you've got to be able to change. I want to challenge you to do a couple of things. I want to challenge you, first of all, that you want to pray for your new pastor and his family as they come in here. You pray for them. I know you're going to love them, so I'm not, I don't have to say anything about that. I know you're going to love them, and they're going to love you, and, uh, but I want to ask you to pray for them. I also want to ask you to do this and just challenge you to do. Paul said he asked them to follow him as he followed the Lord, and I challenge you to follow Brother Joshua, Pastor Joshua, as he follows the Lord. You follow him, and I believe if you do that, you're going to see great, great things out here and what God is going to do here. There's many, many people in this community. There's no reason why this church shouldn't be filled to capacity this morning. And in fact, there's no reason why this church shouldn't have to have more than one service on Sunday morning. And so I want to challenge you to say, hey, that's where we're going. That's our goal. That's our direction because we are here to help people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and lives to be changed. Every church ought to grow. And the reason why we ought to grow is because outside these walls are lost people. And there are more and more and more of them. And so every church needs to grow. And uh, I heard one man say years ago, he worked for the convention, the state convention in Alabama. He said he only knew of one church that he believed that it ought not grow. 
And he said it was a church that ministered to people with leprosy. And he said that's one that he prayed that that church wouldn't grow. But every other church ought to grow. And when things grow, listen to me. This is, I'm going to give you this now. I'm telling you this again. Baptist, when things grow, things change. They do. And so I encourage you to embrace those things. Let's look together this morning at Matthew chapter 1 and uh, verses 18 uh, through 25. And again, this is a message that kind of centers around Christmas. I want to remind you that next Sunday morning, there will be a family Christmas service that will happen here at 10 o'clock. Okay? Get that change. 10 o'clock. No Bible study, just a worship service at 10 o'clock. Probably a little bit shorter worship service and an opportunity for you to come out as a family and, um, and be in church on Christmas Day. You know, there are churches that, that are making decisions to not have church on Christmas Day. What a travesty that is. Uh, we're celebrating the Lord. And the fact that He came, we ought to be worshiping Him on that day, right? And the Scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In other words, he did exactly what he had been commanded in challenge to do. You know, I want to talk today about Christmas interruptions. You know, we, we all have tremendously high expectations of Christmas, don't we? We, we want everything to be perfect. We, we picture in our mind those sort of Norman Rockwell, you know, kind of visions of things and uh, of the uh, children playing and choirs singing and people smiling and people getting along. You know, you know, it's funny that we pick a few days out of the year where we're just going to get along, right? And uh, so we get along there and that, but often it's not that way. You know, it is, uh, it, it, we really feel like it's supposed to be like the song says, the most wonderful time of the year or the ha happiest season of all. That's the way we feel like when we think about Christmas. But for many, uh, it's a very difficult time because of the interruptions of the season. It, it may be things like, like sickness. It, it may be divorce. It may be loneliness or uh, a loss of a job. We could go on and on and think about all the different kind of interruptions. I think back to the Christmas of uh, 2020. It was so interrupted by COVID-19. 
you know, uh, in fact, at our house, Cindy and I both had COVID over Christmas. We, we, our family was not able to have Christmas that year together on, at the Christmas time. We had, to, we had to wait a few weeks until we got clear of, uh, of COVID. But, but not only did our plans change, but many people's plans had to change that year. Family traditions were, were changed for the first time in many families more years than they could probably count. Because families made a decision to not get together like they'd always done at Christmas. In fact, Cindy's family has always had a big, big Christmas Eve. Uh, her dad's side of the family. These are, uh, as they've lost people through the years, they've gotten a little bit smaller. But they're still, still such a large family with that many children in the family. And, in fact, it'll happen this, uh, this coming week on, on Christmas Eve. And they have it at a church in the, in the fellowship hall because there's so many of them. They did not have it that year because of COVID. It, we, we all look to the Christmas season as a time of perfect peace and harmony and joy and, and a time being where there's not a lot of turmoil. But why should we look that way? Because the first Christmas wasn't that way. The very first Christmas was an interruption. It, 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 the, you see, interruptions can happen at any good time. They come when uh, they're not supposed to come, like Christmas time. Consider the timing of Joseph and Mary's uh, interruption. Joseph and Mary were engaged. She was betrothed to him. Now, we, we don't use that word today, but she was betrothed to him. I, and we'll talk about what that means in just a little bit. But, but you see, she was, they were engaged to be married. And like Christmas, engagements are supposed to be magical times. But then there was an interruption. The scripture says an angel appeared to Mary and told her that she would miraculously, as a virgin, conceive and give birth to the Son of God. That's joyful news. We look at it now and we say, oh, that's joyful news. That's our Savior that's being born. But let's just think about it from the perspective of Mary. What an interruption to life that was, right? She's getting ready to get married. How, how, how was she going to explain this pregnancy to Joseph? Would he believe her? I, I mean, it, it, and if he did believe her, would he be willing to take on that, that responsibility? And what about her plans of a wedding and, and the honeymoon and all those things. What about her plan of them just being together? They love one another and to, and to be together in those, those nights and days of a husband and wife. This was not in Mary's plan. And yet she accepted it. She accepted it. Listen, folks, I am fully convinced because I believe that the Lord created us with a free will. I am fully convinced that Mary could have said no. No, no. That's out of the question, Lord. I've got other plans. But she didn't. And we, and we know how Joseph responded. He responded like most of us would respond. When she said that she was going to have a child, that meant to Joseph she had been unfaithful to him, right? 
He, he, he knew it wasn't his. He knew that she had been unfaithful to him, and he didn't believe her. How could it be? His plans of a, of a happy home with a woman that he loved was dashed right before his eyes. His life, as well as hers, had been powerfully interrupted. Well, we have interruptions. In 1976, one month before Christmas, Cindy's family received word that her grandfather, on her dad's side, had cancer. It's very fast because the funeral was held on Christmas Eve. A Christmas interruption. Several years ago, uh, after several years after that, Cindy's father had had a biopsy done, but he received word that the biopsy was positive for cancer on Christmas Eve, and that Christmas was filled with. Uh, you know, the, the dread of getting a word that you have cancer. Another Christmas interruption. Not long after we got to Pine Terrace, one of the members there, who's still there, called me up. His name's Bill. And Bill called me up and he told me that his dad had passed away. I went over to the house. His dad didn't come to our church, but I had gotten to know them. And, I, and I, of course, I went over there because it was Bill's dad. And, and I went to the house, and there his dad was sitting at the dining room table, or a dinette table, as we would call it. And he had solitary cards in front of him. The cards had not been interrupted, had not been disturbed in any way. They're sitting there. He was sitting in the chair, and he died sitting in that chair. He was still sitting in the chair when I got there. And we waited a long time for a hearse to come and pick him up. That was Christmas Eve morning. Christmas Eve morning. You see, the point is this, that interruptions happen at Christmas time. And at many other times in our life. And if, if we're not careful, our response to those interruptions will lead us down the wrong path. In fact, Joseph nearly went down the wrong path, didn't he? And when he discovered Mary's pregnancy, he was devastated by it. He couldn't buy the story that this was a miraculous conception, a virgin conception. As much as he loved her, as much as he wanted to be with her, there was only one thing that Joseph felt like he could do, and that was divorce her. Now, we'd say, oh, hey, divorce her. She's not married yet. That's just an engagement. Well, you see, uh, when, when, when a woman was betrothed to a man to be married during that day, that betrothal was just as binding as if it were already, if, the, if they had already gotten married. Just as binding. And the only way out of it was to divorce her. Joseph had the right to turn her in to the religious authorities, didn't he? And literally, according to the law, she could have been stoned to death for her infidelity. And yet, because he was a good man, he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to hurt her. He decided that he would divorce her, but he would do it privately, very quietly. 
This was Joseph's human response to a powerful interruption. But what a mistake it would have been. You see, a lot of the things that we think are interruptions in our lives, even though they are interruptions to what our plans are, they literally become opportunities for us if we respond in the right way. You see, the, the key here is the, to handling an interruption is to seek to understand that interruption from God's perspective. Now, I know that's hard to do. Thankfully, you see, God rescued Joseph from making the error of his life. Now, I could imagine that, that uh, you know, Joseph, had, when he learned of the situation, you know, he's tossing and he's turning in bed. He's, he's so disturbed by what he's heard. His life has just been just completely devastated. You see, a lot of times I think when we read things like this, when we look back in the Bible, we don't really get into the person there. We don't really, just like we don't get into what Mary was feeling, we don't get into what Joseph was feeling. And, and he's, he's so disturbed, and, and, and many of us have had those kind of nights, haven't we, when something's really on our mind and, and we just can't go to sleep. You see... When he finally decides what he's going to do, though, and his plan is to just divorce her, to do it privately, to do it quietly, he finally gets enough peace and he, he gets off to sleep. But while he's sleeping, an angel appears to him in a dream. In this verse there, in verse 20, it says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord <clears throat> appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and she will, shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said and spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel Joseph awoke with a changed mind. He would not divorce Mary. He would take her to be his wife. He would help raise this miraculous child. He had gotten God's perspective on the interruption. You know, you know several years ago, you remember Larry King, don't you? Everybody watched Larry King. Someone asked Larry King if he had the opportunity to interview one person in history. One person from history, who would he interview? Now, Larry King, of course, was a Jew. You know who Larry King said he wanted to interview? Jesus Christ. He said if he could interview one person from history, he wanted to interview Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. He said, if I interviewed him, I would ask him this question. Were you really virgin conceived? And he said, the reason I would ask that question is because if that's true, everything has changed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you what, it is. It is true. It is true. Uh, you see, this was an interruption, but whoa, what an interruption it was when you encounter an interruption, whatever it may be, don't react according to your own feelings and your own thoughts. You know, many times in my life, I do a lot of things that kind of knee-jerk reaction, just a quick reaction. 
And, and, and many times what happens when I do that, it's always a mistake. I, I get an amen out of that. That's always a mistake, right? Go down the wrong path. I do something that I think, well, here's what I need to do. Listen, no, don't do that. Seek God's direction. Listen, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths, or He will make straight your paths. You know, a lot of people talk about a life verse. That's a life passage for me. It's, it's a place that I've turned to so many times in my life. It's a place where I know I need to understand that whenever, whatever's going on in my life, I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart. Trust means I don't have a vision here of, uh, and, and see how it's going to work out. I don't see how it's going to take place. And, and yet I just simply lo- know that God loves me, that God cares for me, that God has the best for me in his plan, and I trust him. Trust in the Lord, and I do it, and we have to do it with all our hearts, and then we have to lean not on our own understanding. You know, listen, we try to get it figured out ourselves. What we don't need to do is we need to know what God says in His Word because, see, God's perspective is what we're seeking, not our own understanding. And our own understanding, He says, and then, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will give you a straight path. I want to just give you three words, and I I know that's a long introduction. Well, this is going to be a short body, okay? But I want to give you the first word this morning of some words that you need to remember that all of us need to remember when we encounter an interruption. Because just as sure as we live, we're going to have interruptions you know, listen, I'm, I'm the world's worst to be talking about this because I, I'm, I'm a person that wants things to work out the way I planned them. I, I, got, I had a guy tell me that one time. He, you know, when I was having a problem, we, we, were, we were doing something at, at the church there at Pine Terrace. This is early on, and we built a building, and, and, we, and um, I wound up kind of being, a, you know, the the building person because I was there all the time and it was just about to drive me crazy. And uh, the person who had pulled the permits and helping us out, he wasn't able to be there. And so I found that I was doing it all the time and things were not working out right. When you start working with people who are coming and they're, the code people are coming and they're saying, we can't do it this way and you can't do it that way and we're going to stop this right now and you've got to stop and I'm wanting to get it finished. And so... I, um, I found myself, I developed like TMJ almost, you know, at night, grinding my teeth when I was asleep. And I thought I was losing my mind. I really did. And I may have told you all about this. But anyway, uh, I talked with a guy named Dallas Spate. He was at Baptist Hospital. And <clears throat> he said, Mike, you're a, your problem is you're a perfectionist. <clears throat> I thought, a perfectionist? I no, I'm as far from being a perfectionist. You know, I had the wrong idea of what a perfectionist is. He said, listen, a perfectionist is a person who wants things to work out the way he hasn't planned all the time. Well, it doesn't ever work that way. Everything from taking a trip to whatever in our life, things change. And we have interruptions. Well, what do we need to do when those interruptions come? The first word is prayer. The first thing you need to do when your life is interrupted is stop and pray. 
You know, I hear people saying that prayer is the last resort. It's not the last resort. It ought to be the first choice that we make, right? It ought to be the first thing that we do. Romans 12, 11 through 13 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the need of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If you read that from, you know, from Peterson's message paraphrase, it, it tells us this. It says, don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder, right? In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It just means this. It means pray all the time. Pray all the time. That doesn't mean that you walk around with your head bowed and your, t- your hands in front of you and all of that. It just means that every day, every, every day, throughout the day, you find yourself in a spirit of prayer. In, in Ephesians 6, 13 and 18, he tells us in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you, will, uh, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the sword of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. So the Scripture tells us that we need to pray. Well, what do we need to pray for? We need to pray for God to give us guidance, don't we? God, show me where to go. Show me the right way. Not write it up in the clouds for me. Not show me some kind of special sign. Listen, don't ask God to do things like that. Ask God to give you guidance in your life, to give you wisdom and direction. Pray for courage. A lot of the things that we have to do in our lives, we just we don't do it because we because we're afraid and and we won't take that step. Pray for God to give you courage. Pray for help. Pray for help. And sometimes that's going to come in other people coming in your life. Sometimes it's going to come from things that are changing, whatever it is. But God is always going to be there. He'll give you guidance. He'll give you courage. And he will help you along the way. And when you look to God, he's always going to help you. Don't neglect, folks, the greatest and strongest weapon that you have. And again, it's not the last resort. It ought to be the first thing we do. I always, I always thought it was kind of strange when doctors would say to uh, a family, you know, all that's left is prayer. Well, the truth was, that's all it was ever left, right? That's all it was ever left. And the only reason that doctor can do anything is because God has enabled him to do something or her to do something. And so the first thing is pray. The second word is Perspective. That goes back to that passage that I was just sharing with you just a moment ago in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. He will give you a straight path. Get His perspective. Because, listen, a lot of things that happen in our life are not really as bad as we think they are, right? We think our world is just about to end. I can't tell you how many times I've thought the world was ending for me. It's not always that way. It's not nearly as bad many times as we think it is. Most of the time we're worrying about so many things, you know, and that's going to happen. And most of the stuff we worry about never even takes place. I've heard percentages up 90-something percent of the things we worry about never even take place. 
I come from a long line of worriers. I know how to worry. And I, I, and I work out scenarios in my mind. I find myself rehearsing those, cere- uh, those uh, scenarios in my mind about what is going to take place, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and they're going to respond this way, and this is going to take place. And, and most of what I'm thinking about never even happens. It's not as bad as we think it is. The first time I ever heard a preacher say that, it really kind of caught me off guard. My sister, who is with the Lord now, she died in 2001, but my sister had something happen to her when her family, with one of her sons, and uh, she was really devastated by it. And Tom Kaiser, who was a pastor, her pastor there at uh, Old Spanish Fort Baptist Church, he came and worked in this state, in fact, as the as a prayer and spiritual awakening director here in this state. I was with, uh, she didn't tell me this, but I was with Tom one time, and Tom told me that he told my sister, her name's Louise, he said, Louise, this is not the end of the world. I thought, Tom, that sounds pretty callous. This was hard for her. This was tough for her. But the truth was, it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't. A lot of the things we think are so bad are not as bad as we think they are. It's perspective. And by the way, whatever's going on, how long will it actually be important? Many of the things that I've dealt with in my life, that have gone through in my life, you know, that I thought was going to affect all of my life, it it didn't actually last nearly as long as I thought it was going to be. How long is it going to be? Because that brings us to the next thing, and that is what difference will it make in eternity? You know, I've heard people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord about this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord about that. And when I get to heaven, this thing has always bothered me about why this happened and that happened. I want to tell you something. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be worried about any of that anymore. Right? You're just going to be rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. You're not going to be worried about why this happened and that happened. And by the way, he tells us that when he comes, that we will be known even as we are known. Right? Right? We will know even as we are known. It's going to clear up a lot of stuff. What difference will it make in eternity? Then the third word is this, real quickly, is providence. I don't have time to go to this, but if you go and you read Job, listen, just understand that what was going on with Job was in the providence of God. And here's the thing we need to understand about the providence of God. That whatever is happening in our life, if we are a child of God, God is still in control. He's still in control. Nothing can happen in your life as a believer. Nothing can happen in my life as a believer without leave and notice from the Father in heaven. Right? The only reason those things happen to Job is because God said, let it happen. He's in control. He still has all the hairs on our heads numbered. That's harder for some than for others, but that's, uh, he has them numbered, doesn't he? 
You see, interruptions can, at times, can redirect our lives in a new and positive way. This was true for Joseph and Mary. Their plans were interrupted, but oh, what an interruption it was. Can you imagine a more wonderful privilege or a more challenging responsibility than being the human parents of the Son of God? The direction of their future was not what they had planned, but oh, how good it was. Because here's what we got to understand. God knows what's best. Have you, have you could ever considered that God could do that kind of thing in your life? I'm not talking about that you would be the parents of the Son of God, but, I, but that God would take what seems to be an interruption, an unforeseen problem, and use it to set you and your life on a new and better path. Whatever the interruption you may be enduring right now. And I, listen, I believe that in this room right now, a lot of people are dealing with different things. Interruptions. Why not look at those interruptions in a different light and ask, God, are you using this to do something great in my life? And then begin to look for all the marvelous things that he wants to do. Whatever interruption you may be experiencing this Christmas, there's one thing that you can do. You can stop and give thanks to God for Jesus. And as you praise and thank God, even in the midst of the difficult circumstance that you may find yourself in, there's something of His peace that will flood your life and come to direct you. That's what you need. That's what I need. I need that peace. And peace, the peace that God gives, has nothing to do with what's going on in the world. It has what's doing, going on here in our hearts with the Lord. You know, I can, I can complain to God with the best of them. God, I, this is not what I plan. Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? But if I can just pray, if I can get his perspective, he will flood my life with his peace. Because I know this, I know he loves me completely. He knows me best. He knows all the faults that Mike Wiggins has. And there are plenty. But he still loves me. And he does you too. Listen, he might want to be interrupting your life right now in a way, the best way at all. You never trusted Jesus as your Savior. And you're, you're coming on Christmas. And you're thinking about all the things about Christmas. And, but listen, why not celebrate Christmas as a child of God? Because if you don't know him, then you've been really missing what really Christmas is all about. Maybe you need to trust him today. Or maybe you just need to give him something in your life, some interruption that you're having, and say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. Just like Mary and Joseph had to. Let's stand and pray. Father, I pray, Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit would just have complete control in each and every heart here. Lord, if there's a person in this room who does not know you, 
I pray, God, they would trust you right now. They would just pray out in their hearts right now. They would just pray, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that I'm lost without you. And I, I believe you died on the cross for me. I don't understand it all, but I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. And I trust you now as my Savior. You and you alone. And I want to thank you, Lord, that that is the truth and I can believe that and trust you in that way. Father, I pray for those that are in this room and they're struggling with different things that are going on. Maybe health issues. Maybe financial issues, family issues, job issues. And Father, they would see that no matter what's going on, you're still in control. I thank you, Lord. And I pray that you'd be Lord of this invitation. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just heard a message from God's Word, and now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy your day.